A desire for his presence. A desire for his presence. Just for a few minutes, I'd like to speak about this. As I mentioned that phrase, a desire for his presence, how do you feel? What comes to your heart? What comes to your mind? What emotions are perhaps stirred as we speak about that? My brother Andrew, three weeks ago, ministered the word on that Sunday, and he spoke about the importance of the presence of God in our lives. And the word importance stood out for me. I found it significant. I found it noteworthy. And so, may I ask you this morning, is the presence of God important to you? Is the presence of God important to you? I want to say, let it be so. Let that desire be kindled and let it grow. You can have two people next to each other, both been serving the Lord for 10 years, and in one there is a little bit of desire for God's presence, and in the other person there is a, a, almost an overwhelming desire. It's because of certain decisions that they took in their hearts and certain things that they responded to as they read God's word And I want to tell you, your desire after God's presence can be cultivated, can grow. It can become something that when you've been serving God, and here maybe you're in your last few days before God's about to take you to heaven, that it is the most consuming thing in your life, and it has grown right throughout your Christian walk. I believe that that's what God wants. And we long to see Him even more, even more, even more, experience Him even more. His presence should mean so much to us. I'm not just saying this to try make you feel good or something. I really mean it. His presence should mean so much to us. And I think of David. David, we know, was a wonderful example of somebody who sought the Lord with all his heart. He was after God's presence. And there came a time in the life of the nation of Israel that the Ark of the Covenant, which represented and housed the very Shekinah glory, the very presence of God, the habitation of his presence, got captured by the enemy. Now, when that's the only place where you can find the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant and it gets taken by the enemy, how many of you know you've got a bad day on your hands? And so it was there with the enemy for a while, but David kept on groaning and yearning and he felt this is wrong. It has to come back to the people of God. It has to come back to the holy city, the city of David. It has to come back to the people of Israel. And so he determined he's going to go out. And he took 30,000 soldiers with him. And they went and they got a hold of the Ark of the Covenant. And they began to bring it back. It was so exciting. It was quite a long journey to bring it back. And you know what? Halfway back, something happened They transported it on a cart. They should have never have done that because God said the priest will carry it with poles and that's the way my ark, my presence is carried. But they thought they were clever and they got, uh, you know, their own ways of trying to get in the presence of God. By the way, there's a message in there. And what happened is 
the oxen stumbled, the cart stumbled, and next thing, the ark was about to fall off, and a man named Uzzah reached out to steady the ark. You would think that was a good thing, but God struck him down dead because it was never the way the ark was supposed to be transported. And right there, anger was, uh, arose, arose in David's heart, and he felt the upset about this, and so he said, well, we're not taking the ark back for now. It will go to the home of Obed-Edom right there. But here's the thing. It remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months, and you know what happened in Obed-Edom's house? He got blessed by the presence of the Lord. I want to tell you, the presence of the Lord brings manifest blessings into your life. It's a principle in God. And next thing, David hears that in Obed-Edom's house, there is great blessing. And I think David thinks to himself, no, no, no. I want this for the whole nation. Obed-Edom, as nice as the man might be, he cannot have it all to himself. And they went and they recovered the ark from his home. And with great procession and sacrifices, every few steps of the way, they brought the presence of God back to the people of God. Because let me tell you, what sets... Children of God, apart from the world, one of the main reasons is the presence of God. If we don't have the presence of God, we are not attractive in the world's sight. But when the people of God walk with the presence of God, there is something attractive. For some of you, you might need to determine in your heart, I'm going to get a hold of the presence of God again. I want that blessing again in my life. You might have been serving God flat out at one stage. And you just loved times of enjoying his presence, but something got lost on the way. And so his presence should mean so much to us. It meant so much to David. And David determined that he's going to get a hold of God's presence. And it was him that wrote this beautiful two verses in Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5 from the New Living Translation. And this is what David says. This man who loves God's presence, he says, the one thing... I ask the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Do you see his priorities? And then it says this, delighting in the Lord's perfections. I love that. <laughs> the law of the Lord is perfect. And on his law, we should meditate day and night. But that's the law. But I mean, the Lord is perfect. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. And he will hide me in his sanctuary. I came back from uh, a little break about three weeks ago down in the Eastern Cape. And I can honestly say there was a renewed longing for the presence of the Lord in my heart. And there was a, a fresh appreciation and two things that happened, I believe, which also contributed to that and kind of made me realize something. One of them I touched on briefly. It was about roughly two months ago. Here we were, a few of us from the church staff, meeting with two people from television broadcasting industry. We were meeting with them to speak about our program and getting our program onto a particular network. I'd never met them before in my life, and, uh, but the guy seemed to be a really gracious man, and he had a younger guy with him. And here we met, talking about getting our program onto television and getting it far and wide. And 
We showed them the auditorium just to get a context of our feel, and we took them into the control room, showed them some of our equipment, and took a few minutes just to show a little bit of our program, just popped in a program, began to look at a few minutes of, of praise and worship, and that was great, and they seemed to smile and so on, and, and then the, congreg- uh, the conversation went in another direction, and we carried on talking about various technical things, and, and then about a half an hour later, they were leaving, and we were busy seeing them out. And then the man said, I just feel to say to you that as we were watching that program just now, I sensed the presence of the Lord on that program. That really struck me. I was very encouraged to hear that. Also, when I was down in the Eastern Cape, I was chatting to somebody and we invited this guy over for supper. He's a real finance guy, chief financial officer, uh, very intellectually minded and not such an emotional guy. And we were having supper together. I said, hey, have you managed to watch one of our television programs yet? He says, no, he hasn't yet. I was quite surprised because I said, but can I quickly just show you on my cell phone? So I took my cell phone out, went to our YouTube channel, selected one of the, the programs, and I just began to play it to him for a few minutes. And you know what the first thing he said was? He said, hey, listen, just by the way, as I'm watching this, I'm aware of God's presence on the phone. He's watching on the phone. And he says, I'm aware of God's presence. And you might say, well, obviously, John, God's presence should be here. And yes, obviously, but also so wonderful to hear people from completely the outside saying in this few moments, I'm sensing something. I'm sensing something. I was greatly encouraged by this. And I want to say to you folks, We are privileged to encounter the presence of God time and time again here. Let gratitude arise in your heart. Let the longing be stirred even more. We are privileged. And there's a song by Bethel Music which has struck me quite recently. It's a song called Thank You. And it has this chorus, and this is what it says. In the chorus, it says the following You don't have to come. This is speaking of the Lord. You don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in splendor, and you change the whole room. (laughs) I love it. Let me tell you, there's times when I drive to church here on a Sunday morning, and I think, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do today. I'm hoping and praying and trusting you and Lord, but we've just got these five loaves and two fishes. Lord, you're going to have to multiply. You're going to have to do something. And time and time again, we walk out of here, and I'm driving home in my car, and you know what's happening in my heart? My heart is bubbling over, because yet again, God has come. Yet again, God has moved by His Spirit. Yet again, the Holy Spirit's presence has been tangible here, and we give Him all the honor and the thanks. And I think to myself, you don't have to come, Lord, but you always do. You show up in splendor, and you change the whole room. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. You show up in splendor. Let me tell you, the presence of God and the anointing makes all the difference. This world is not looking for dead religion. This world is looking for the living God. And if you and I are endeavoring to have the presence of God resting upon our lives, if we're endeavoring to host the Holy Spirit well, I want to tell you things begin to change. People begin to say, my goodness, the presence of God is amongst them. 
And I want to say the world is looking for the living God. Not dead orthodoxy, not dead religion. And as a church, I believe we need to constantly kindle our desire for His presence and to host the Spirit. And I believe that we can look forward to, listen to this, even more glorious times of His presence. You might say, why do you say that? I say that because I have a sense in my heart. I say that because some of these words that we even heard today. I say that because it was about six weeks ago I received a prophetic word, six pages long, uh, directed to us as a church and also some personal elements as well. And as I read through this, it spoke of God wanting to give an outpouring of His Spirit here. And it spoke of a real move of the Lord in our midst. To tell you the truth, as I read this word, I was a little bit overwhelmed. I didn't quite know, it felt a bit overwhelming. And I just said, God, will be it unto us according to your word. Lord, whatever you want is best. Be it unto us according to your word. And also, as I draw to a close, uh, last Sunday, we received the prophetic word. How many of you were here last Sunday? It was a wonderful service, wasn't it? Greg preached a wonderful message. And our guest speaker's wife, uh, Michelle Haswell, she said a prophetic word. I found it noteworthy. And part of the prophetic word was this. Listen to it. It's such a confirmation. It says, the Lord said to me, that he has not called this house to be a house of visitation, but he has called it to be a house of habitation, of his presence. In Exodus 25, God says, Then have they made a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. That's habitation. She goes on to say, I believe the Lord has not come to visit you on occasion, but he has come to make this his dwelling place. And on the foundation of that, the Lord says, there will be a restoration anointing that rests in this house. And I believe that our response is just praise God. Our response is praise the Lord. And we say, Holy Spirit, keep on moving. Holy Spirit, have your way. And now we're going to have communion. But you know, communion and what that signifies makes the way open into his presence. Because of the blood of Jesus, that veil is removed, so you have access. Don't tell me you don't have access if you've given your life to Jesus. I want to make it very clear. Reject the condemnation of the devil. You have access, not through your own works, but simply by the blood of Jesus. And that's what communion is all about. Because the veil has been removed, he's lovingly calling you into his presence. It's where you belong. Won't you say to